When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. NHL draft tomorrow, first round. Oilers to pick 14th. You'll hear a lot from general manager Ken Holland over the next hour. I'm happy to hear from you with your draft speculation, hopes, dreams, whatever you want to call it. 7804960063 is how you can get in touch by calling or texting 7:30 tonight the double e coaches show is back even though there's no season scott milanovich wants to connect with you he and morley scott will sign on at 7:30. monday night football a double header tonight because of the covid delayed game between kansas city and new england about five and a half minutes left in the first half the chiefs leading new england 6-3 uh, got the sound down here mahomes was sacked and appeared to fumble the ball and it, yes they do rule it a recovery here for new england so new england taking over on their own 35 kansas city has been moving the ball much better but unable to get a touchdown so a 6-3 lead for the chiefs five and a half left in the second quarter coming up later green bay at home three and zero. atlanta on the road they are 0-3. Baseball playoffs continuing today. Game one between Houston and Oakland. The Astros bang their way to a 10-5 victory. And just getting underway, it's the Yankees and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, of course, eliminating the Blue Jays last week. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Double E Radio, 630 Chet. So we will have coverage of the first round of the NHL draft tomorrow, starting after the 4 o'clock news and going until... The draft is over. We'll probably go a little bit until after the first round of the draft is over. And then rounds two through seven are uh, going to be held starting at 9.30 on Wednesday. And we'll keep you updated on our news and sportscasts online. And, of course, Bob Stauffer will have a whole bunch on Oilers now from noon to two. So that's what's going on there. The Oilers hold the 14th overall pick. Ken Holland, what's the plan? What are you going to do with it? Uh, I don't see us moving up. I'm expecting that we're going to pick it. There you go. Short and sweet. He doesn't see them moving up. He expects that they're going to pick it. So I I guess that means the options. We talked a little bit about this last week. um, That uh, I thought I've, I've kind of always thought there's a, there's been a pretty good chance that they might move back to try to try to acquire more picks. Well, the way Holland spoke today, it, it seems most likely that they're just going to make the pick. And I suppose picking at 14, usually someone that you might have in that 9, 10, 11, 12 range in your own draft rankings might be available for you at 14. A couple of years ago, we saw the Oilers get Evan Bouchard at 10. Uh, we were a little bit, I mean, it wasn't just that Bouchard was there. Uh, it was that uh, he and, uh, and Dobson, and uh, who was the other player? Was it Wallstrom? Another player that was where all three of them were available to the Oilers at number 10. So they expect to pick at number 14. So what, what are the Oilers looking for? A certain set of skills. Do they want a certain position? What's going on there? You're looking for some, some upside upside potential. Where do you think that they can cap out? Um, skating, hockey sense, competitiveness. 
what do they bring? Can they score? Do they check? Can they uh, center playmaking center iceman, but I compete skate. Um, I don't think, you know, you know, you look at Tampa Bay, I, I, you know, my idea in team building is you like to on the back end, you'd like to have some, some size, but out of seven defensemen, you can have a couple of what you would call undersized defensemen, but you do need some, uh, you do need some length on the back end. There's situations during a season, you know, matchups, uh, penalty killing, protecting a one goal lead in a game where you, the more, the more length, the, the size to box out, uh, it's important in winning but certainly you need some some undersized defensemen that can transport the puck and and, and zip the puck uh, up and I think uh, uh, up front it's about uh, you doing it you again you need some size but I don't think you need to have 14 forwards that are all big you just you want competitive people you need you need lots of different dimensions when you build a when you build a hockey team all right, so even though he talked a bit about defense they're unlikely the Oilers draft the defenseman at 14 probably going to be a forward available who has a pretty strong dimension to his game, but maybe needs some work in other areas. And then you, you look at Yaroslav Askarov, the goaltender, that if he's available at 14, would the Oilers snap him up? A uh, very high goaltending prospect coming out of Russia. So, I mean, you can you can look at a lot of names here. Oh, I got a good text here from Kevin. Kevin, I'm going to get to that in a second. You, you look at a lot of names. Uh, Seth Jarvis, we've talked about him. Point producer out of Portland, 98 points in 58 games in the WHL. Dylan Holloway, who played for Wisconsin in the Big Ten, he's uh, just over six feet, 203 pounds. He actually played for Okotoks in the AJHL the year before. He was the AJHL MVP in 1819. Uh, Ridley Gregg out of Brandon is a two-way center. Maybe some comparisons to Nazem Kadri, uh, 5'11", but only about 163 pounds, so a smaller guy. Uh, maybe you're even looking at Dawson Mercer out of Shakutami. actually played for both Drummondville and Shakutami this past season. He's been compared to Patrice Bergeron. The, t- the time of year when, when these draft picks always get compared to really good players is maybe their ceiling. So yeah, you may see a player like that. Now, now Jarvis is not a big guy. Uh, you know, Greg's height is okay, but he doesn't weigh a bunch. Um, you know, Holloway is six feet, but weighs over 200 pounds. But I, I and Ken Holland expanded on this on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. He's he's fine drafting a smaller player. He believes you need a mix, and he believes that if the smaller player is competitive and is strong on the puck and goes to the front of the net that he has no reservations about taking a smaller player. So those are just some names to keep in mind. Uh, even, even Jack Quinn, it was interesting today, uh, in Craig Button from TSN, his mock draft, he had Jack Quinn out of Ottawa in the OHL as uh, as the guy going to the Oilers. He, he's ranked seventh amongst North American skaters by Central Scouting, and he scored 52 goals for the 67s, so maybe the best goal scorer in the draft, really quick release. So another name to keep in mind as well. So the Oilers will probably get you know, probably have a chance to get a forward and maybe somebody that you look at one or two parts of his game saying it's really strong. And then you might have another part or two where you say, Oh, I, if, if only we didn't have to worry about this, but that's why they're going probably uh, mid teens rather than in the top five. Kevin has texted into seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three. Now, the free agency will be on Friday. There, there is, there are reports that the Arizona Coyotes are shopping Taylor Hall's rights. So what this would mean for a team is that they would have exclusive negotiating with Hall until he becomes a free agent on Friday. Uh, Kevin says, on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being the lowest, what are the chances the Oilers sign Taylor Hall? All right, Kevin. 
I, if you're saying one is the lowest, I'm, I'm going to say it too. And, and the reason I say that is because the Oilers don't have a ton of cap space for a player that could command, you know, eight, nine, $10 million when he goes to market. And I realize this is a different year with the flat cap. And we've talked about players uh, maybe having to take a little bit less money and maybe they will take less money to, to go somewhere if they really want to go. But I still think Hall's going to look around. And he, he would look at, at teams that not only are competitive, but can give him truly what his market value is. So I, I would put it as, as quite low as the Oilers signing Taylor Hall. And, and you would think if a team does trade for his rights this week with Arizona, that they would have a pretty good feeling that they already have some sort of a contract in place that they could sign Hall to relatively quickly. So good question, Kevin. That'll be a big storyline as it moves along throughout the week. Kevin, what do you think? What do you think on a scale of 1 to 10? What are the chances the Oilers signed Taylor Hall? Because I'm guessing if you asked me that question, you have an answer of your own in mind, and I'm happy to hear it. All right, so draft tomorrow. Oscar Clefbaum status has become another big story here. Darren Drager from TSN has reported a couple times that Clefbaum moving, uh, likely moving towards having shoulder surgery. Holland with an update there. No real update other than I know that some a couple people talked to J.P. Barry, his agent, last week, I think. Um, I've been in communication with J.P. over the last, you know, really since we come out of the bubble, I guess. Um, you know, he played last year really with an aggravated shoulder. Um, I think he's, you know waiting to see if he wants if he how the if his shoulder is gonna get to the point where he doesn't need need surgery um there's there's some unknown i'm certainly waiting to hear on what decision he makes does it impact our decision making heading into this week a little bit a little bit but i would say to you based upon the information i've got I'm sort of leaning towards that um, we either won't have them or we won't have them to start with. All right. So I think that's pretty key what he said at the end. He is leaning towards not having Clefbaum at the very least for the start of the season. Now, at this point, we don't know when the season is going to start. We think it's going to be January at the earliest. It may be in February. I'm sure Ken Holland is aware of all these timelines so, I mean, look, if you're looking at six months, and he hasn't had the surgery yet, if he does have it, but if you're looking at six months, October, November, December, January, February, March, that is maybe an April return. And that could be, well, likely will be the last month of the NHL regular season. You'd think they want to do the playoffs in, uh, well, no, I guess they could still have the regular season in May and then do the playoffs in June and July. So maybe the second half of the season might be the best case scenario for a cleft bond return. So what about the timing here? I asked Ken Holland. The season ended in August. There's all these rumors circulating about surgery. Holland said that he's been dealing with this pain in his shoulder for a couple of years. What about the timing of a decision on surgery here? If it was that easy, it would be, um, we would make those decisions, or he would make those decisions. I don't, I, it's not that easy. Um, I think it's, 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 it's not, I don't know if it's, it's he, he plays with some pain, um, and he needs to determine, you know, obviously in, in February we shut him down for, I think he missed nine games 
Um, he went to see a, a specialist, a shoulder specialist. And again, it's not cut and dried. It's not just simple that you do have surgery, you don't have surgery. It's not that simple. So I, I think that Clef needs to make a decision um, based upon the information that he's getting, number one, from his body, and number two, from the um, doctors. I know he's, he's seen a couple of uh, uh, shoulder people as to how he wants to proceed. Um, in past years, he's obviously... Um, season has ended and there's been a long, you know, uh, 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 an off season for it to get better. And he comes back and he, and he plays, but as, as he goes forward each year, you know, you're, you're getting the old, the, the body's another year older, the, the your, your body's beat up or battered up a little bit more. So I think that he needs to make, he has to decide how he wants to, to proceed. And it's, and again, I certainly, you know, from the club's perspective, from the team's perspective, you know, would you like to have an answer? Yeah. But I also think I got to respect that this is a, um, number one, he's an important player on the team, but he's also uh, a person that uh, has to make a, a decision that uh, is going to be very important to him um, going forward in his life. So I have to respect that. All right. So there's a little bit there from Ken Holland on Oscar Clefbaum as uh, we await word on what might happen with Oscar Clefbaum and his shoulder. But Holland, as he said, operating as if he will not have Clefbaum for at least the start of the season. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about news. We'll talk a little bit about finding a goaltender. We'll talk a little bit about qualifying offers to a couple of restricted free agents. More from Ken Holland as we move along on Inside Sports. Halftime now in Kansas City. Chiefs leading the Patriots 6-3. to call or text. Uh, the Big L checking in tonight. The Big L often humorous, but being a little more analytical tonight on the text line. Big L, you better send in something outrageously funny to counterbalance this text. He says, Ken Holland is obviously going to take the orders in another direction. His Unlike recent GMs, he won't make trades, including draft picks, relying on a strained mixture, a strange mixture of hope and alchemy for success. He knows there's limited sand in the hourglass, and what the team has in McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nuge, and the developing players like Yamamoto, Bear, Broberg, and Bouchard. This new situation might very well uh, dangle the kind of experience, depth a budget-wise GM like Holland can take advantage of, and without sacrificing the longer-term development of the team well uh here's the thing i look ken holland uh, almost a year and a half into the job but only one season because of the way the pandemic has affected things so this is going to be his second off season his second draft his second free agency i think most of holland's moves uh moves move have worked out i think Tippett did a good job I think Shane and Archibald came in and did a decent job. Uh, you know, Smith, and quite frankly, Mike Smith overall gave what he had and had some pretty good runs in the regular season. Um, you know, if we're drafting Broberg could turn out to be a, a big win. There's a, there's a lot of chatter that he's going to turn out to be a stud defenseman. Let's hope so. We'll see. That's going to be evaluated down the road. Um, you, you mentioned, though, the big L trading draft picks. Look, I, I think we got to assess the other side of it. 
I mean, I, Andreas Athanasiu is, I, I don't think he's going to get a qualifying offer. Uh, they're due when Wednesday afternoon, basically when a little bit, little bit of time after the, the draft ends. So Andreas Athanasiu, there's a pretty good chance he's not going to be an oiler next season. Well, they, they traded two second round picks to get him. So that one's going to stink. I mean, they, they took a chance on Athanasiu. Holland liked him from Detroit. He thought he could come in here and contribute. He he had some okay games, but he wasn't very productive and he wasn't very consistent. I think he missed a couple of games hurt as well. Holland talked about that today. But that's one that could sting. Now, now maybe he's going to try to reclaim those picks somehow, but there'll still be a price for that. And, and the other thing we haven't talked about as much, at least I haven't with you guys, is the, the Zach Cassian contract is an interesting one because clearly he's he's a valuable player when he's going and when he's playing with Connor McDavid. Even, even if he's not entirely productive, if he plays that energetic game and, and is up there with McDavid and, and is helping that line, then that's a good contract. If, if Cassian's not with McDavid, then I think that's that's no longer such a good contract if he's playing on the third or fourth line. So those are a couple of things that, that I think Holland is still going to be evaluated on and that may not turn out to be on the positive side of the ledger. Big L says, had the salary cap not stayed stagnant, double A would have been qualified. You know what? Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. When Holland made that trade, he, he obviously didn't know that there was going to be a pandemic and season cut short and and no salary cap increase that, that that's a fair comment but the way it's playing out they, they could wind up losing double a and not having those draft picks either anyway uh, we'll talk about the goaltending we'll talk about the nuge uh, those of you who love the nuge and i know there are many of you are going to be happy with what holland had to say today 780-496-0063 lines are open text lines are open appreciate those of you taking the time to write in we're back after the news Right, second half just underway. Kansas City up 6-3 on New England. The Patriots have the ball to start the second half. Patriots fan Blake Dermott coming up between 7 and 7.30 tonight. I'm sure he'll have one eye on this game. Well, it's, I guess it's radio. He can have both eyes on this game while he's talking to me. The EE football team coaches show, the double E coaches show at 7.30 tonight with Scott Milanovic and Morley Scott. Season debut. Be great to get to know Scott Milanovic a little bit better. Okay. Uh, so 6-3 for the Chiefs coming up in about half an hour. It is Atlanta at Green Bay. Green Bay's 3-0. Atlanta has uh, not won on the season. Baseball tonight, it's 1-1 Yankees and Rays. That's in the second inning. Earlier, the Astros win game one against the Athletics 10-5. Your final score there. I was talking about it in the first half hour of the show. Darren Dreger from TSN reporting that Arizona shopping Taylor Hall's rights He's 28 years old, 52 points in 65 games this past season, won the Hart Trophy a couple of years ago, and uh, he's going to be a big fish free agent. Now, obviously, they could trade his rights so some team can negotiate with him exclusively until he becomes a free agent and maybe lock him up before then. Devin Dubnik and a seventh rounder in 2022 going to San Jose from Minnesota for a fifth rounder in 2022. 
Dubnik is now 34. Minnesota retains half of his $4.33 million cap hit. Ryan Donato also traded from Minnesota to San Jose for a third rounder in 2021. Jason Spezza re-signs with the Leafs. One-year deal, $700,000. He's 37, 25 points in 58 games this past season. The Penguins put Jack Johnson on waivers for the purpose of a buyout. He still has three years left on a deal, $3.25 million per year. And the Calgary Flames have made their retro uniforms their regular Uniforms, the ones they wore from 1980 to 1994. We saw them uh, wear them against the Oilers. I think they were wearing them in the goalie fight game since then. What have they had since then? They had the the ones that had the C kind of on that multicolored striping coming up out of the waist. I actually have always liked the Flames jerseys with the black C on the red. I thought that looked pretty sharp. But they're getting rid of that going back to their classic retro uni some news and notes today from around the world of sports thanks a lot for tuning in of course you can get more on the oilers and their draft preparation on 630chat.com globalnews.ca you can text or call 780-496-0063 this texter writes in says hey reed been watching some seth jarvis highlights on the web hoping that he winds up being picked by the Oilers at 14. Seth Jarvis out of Portland, definitely a name to watch going into tomorrow, ranked 11th among North American skaters by Central Scouting. Huge numbers with Portland, 98 points in uh, 58 games. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if he is there for Edmonton. Okay, so uh, we covered off a little bit of what Ken Holland said about the 14th overall pick, says uh, not going to trade up. He expects that they will pick at 14. He uh, talked about Oscar Clefbaum that he said, hey, I, I realize maybe Clefbaum could have made a decision earlier, but he respects that it's not an easy decision, and he knows that he has to weigh not just his hockey future, but his future as a human being, and he does not expect Clefbaum on the, on the Oilers. He expects him to be injured, recovering, likely recovering from surgery at the start of the season, whenever that is, probably in January or February. So those are some of the notes we covered off in the first 30 minutes of the show. Goaltending, Miko Koskinen, under contract from the Oilers, Mike Smith, becomes a free agent. Uh, what's going on here with the goaltender, Ken? How are you going to find one? You know, I, I would say to you, probably free agency. It appears, you no know, things, you know, somebody can sign or something can happen, but... Um, it appears that there's going to be a lot of goalie movement between now and this time next week and the next week. Um, you know, there's some teams that have signed some goalies and they've, they, you know, looks, you know, calls them coming. Teams are looking to trade some goalies. There's, there's, looks like there's going to be goalies on the unrestricted free agent market. So, um, I would anticipate that we're going to end up with a goalie. Uh, we are going to end up with a goalie. I've got to kind of sign somebody, um, and 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 uh, maybe maybe a number three as well. So we are going to have uh, a goalie in place in the next week. I would anticipate through free agency. All right. So keep that in mind. Likely through free agency, uh, some of the free agents, free agent goaltenders, Anton Hudobin, who the Stars are trying to re-sign. Why wouldn't you? He helped them get to the Stanley Cup final. Jacob Markstrom's name is out there from the Canucks. Uh, pretty good goaltender. Obviously, 918 save percentage was good in the playoffs. Uh, Thatcher Demko helped the Canucks as well stay alive against Vegas. Matt Murray is a name that piques my interest. 
I know he is coming off a poor year, only an 899 save percentage. He's only 26, and he does have a couple Stanley Cups under his belt. I would be reluctant to to uh, write this young man off. Uh, some other players who are free agents. You got, uh, I mean, Jimmy Howard at 36, Craig Anderson at 39, Corey Crawford at 35, who we saw can still play. He beat the Oilers almost single-handedly in Game 4 of their playoff series. Braden Holtby at the age of 30, his save percentage dropped down to 898 this past season. Uh, he's a Stanley Cup winner as well. So some of the free agents out there that the Oilers could be taking a look at. 780-496-0063. Don has called in tonight. Don, appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead. Yeah. Good, buddy. Hello? Go ahead. Good, good. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, Reed, so about the Calgary jerseys, I'm kind of glad that they got rid of those ones with the freaking Canada flag and the Alberta flag on them because like, it just made it look like they were like our only team, but they're really not. Okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah, I'm glad you got that off your chest. I actually didn't see, are they getting rid of the flags? Because they could still well, put them on these to, other ones, couldn't they? I guess they could, but if they're going back to the retro jerseys, they're not on them, right? No, they wouldn't have been at the time. I'm just looking back at the pictures they put out today. Yeah, I don't see any flags on the sleeves. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird choice to have the Canada flag and the Alberta flag. So Yeah, being that there's two teams, right? So... That's kind of, I'm okay with them going to their retro jerseys because then it doesn't look like they're the only team in our province. Don, I got to admit, of, of all the things I thought you were going to want to talk about, I, I did not expect that. So you caught me a bit off guard, but it is it is time. Are, are you looking, are you a big draft follower for tomorrow and Wednesday or, or is that not so much your thing? Well, you know, knowing that we don't have a lot of cap space and we have people that we should sign really, I don't know what we can possibly get out of the draft, right? Well, you'd be getting guys from down the road, right? I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna be part of a big trade. I, I think if they do bring someone in through a trade, it might be kind of a depth player, maybe someone who can replace Riley Shane. I don't think he's gonna be back. Somebody like that, penalty killer, depth forward. Yeah, no, I agree, and I mean, like, I I give the team credit last year. They did good, except for the fact that I, I don't feel as well. Actually, I haven't called in a while, Regis. <laughs> I, um, I don't feel that the team got a fair chance in the playoffs because, you know, where they were originally before all the pandemic and stuff, they shouldn't have had to play in the uh, the round-robin stuff, right? But what do we know? <laughs> all right, Don. Well, it sounds like you know a fair bit. I appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks for your time. No problem. That is Don, 780 Zero zero six three. He was. He, he needs to get off off his chest. That he wants those flags off the Flames jersey. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. And somebody texted in about Taylor Hall. I don't see the Oilers landing a big fish in free agency unless somehow they get marks from here. I guess that would be a pretty significant signing. They want to go after a goaltender in free agency. Uh, I do not expect that they will issue qualifying offers to neither Andreas Athanasiu nor Matt Benning, for that matter, simply because the the cost of potentially qualifying those players. Now, those players would become UFAs. Doesn't mean they couldn't sign with the Oilers for a smaller amount, but but I'm sure they would they would shop around and try to get as much as they could for another team. So there could be a little bit of money freed up, but. Yeah, I, I think for the Oilers, rounding out... Here's the thing, and I'm sitting here saying this before the draft and free agency, and we don't even know when the next season is going to start. I, I wonder if if roster-wise, just in terms of adding players, if the Oilers can take a huge step forward for next season. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, totally speculating without seeing what's going to happen. 
But if they don't have cleft, even if, like, okay, so Tyson Berry is another guy they talked about. You, you could maybe go and get Tyson Berry for four and a half, right? So he runs the power play. That fills in for Clefbaum there. He plays right shot, say, say with Caleb Jones, five on five. Um, power play might be even better with Barry running it. Five on five, maybe you stay the same. I, I mentioned Riley Shan, didn't have a great five on five season, was a really good penalty killer. And the, is the penalty killing going to be as good as last year? I think we can expect a drop off there. And then the goaltending is we'll see. Nothing, as you know, I believe nothing can transform a team's fortunes like a goaltender. So if you sign a really good goaltender or sign a goaltender who comes in and has a huge year, okay, everything changes. But just given given what we know about Clefbaum, the possibility of getting Barry, and probably a pretty a forwards unit that is composed pretty similar to what it was last season. Even if some of the faces are different, the skill sets might be about the same. Probably still looking at a team that finishes around 10th overall. They wound up 12th uh, this past year on points percentage. They were 9th in points, but 12th in points percentage. So probably looking at a team that is around the same overall. I, I will say something that you might consider outrageous, and probably the first time I've ever done that on this show. Their, their power play could be even better than it was this year. I, I mean, I, re- I really believe it has a chance to to operate around 33%. And, and I'm speculating a little bit here that maybe they wind up with Barry and maybe eventually Yamamoto replaces Chase on, and, and then you still have the big three. Just that's a little bit off topic, but just get, well, not that far off topic because I am going to talk about one member of the big three, and that is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. One year left on his contract. Mr. Holland, are you talking? My goal is hopefully to have Nuge here for for a long time. Find a a, um, a solution on a on an extension. Um, you know whether it takes you know this week or whether we go into the season and uh, um, he's on the last year of a contract and 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 deal with it down the road. There's you know I've had some conversations with his. Um, with his agent, um, and there's so many unknowns, you know, flat cap, how long is it going to be a flat cap? When, when's it going to start to, uh, to start to move? So there's, there's a lot of unknown, but certainly he's a priority. He's a really good, he's a really good player. He's a really important player. He's good defensively. He can play, he can play center, but he also is very comfortable on left wing. He can play on a left wing with, on, on Connor's line. He can play on a left wing with, with Leon. You can, you can move Leon up and, and play with Connor and, and, and he can go into the two hole. He's, he's versatile. He's an important player for us. All right. Well, no doubt about that. Nugent Hopkins is an important player for the Oilers. So uh, they're talking. He understands that the talks may go into next season, whenever that is. Stoffer and I talked about that. Earlier today on Oilers now. Now, yes, maybe the longer it goes on, the more power shifts to the player and the more desperate Holland wants to get something done because I think the worst-case scenario for the Oilers would be to go to the next trade deadline with Ryan Nugent Hopkins unsigned. And maybe you're thinking that he's leaning towards leaving. I, I don't have any indications that Nugent Hopkins is, is leaning towards leaving. I think he wants to be an Oiler. And I think that the fact that they're already talking about well, let's call it a year ahead of time, even though the next offseason will probably be start in August. Uh, I think that the fact they're already talking around draft and free agency time a year ahead of time is a good sign. 
and we talked a little bit about the number for Nugent Hopkins last week. Somebody, some of you texted in seven, seven and a half, uh, you know, maybe on a longer term deal, they can get them on six and a half per season. And you look at then what Nugent Hopkins can make over the course of his career, get to a number that he's comfortable with and he's back with the Oilers. And, and somebody texted in while I was talking with Bob, if you lose Nuge, it's pretty hard to replace him through free agency whenever that is. So it's great that they're talking. All right. We'll call a quick timeout halfway through the third quarter, still six, three. That's it. Kansas city up on new England. New England has the ball around midfield back after the break. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock as we have live coverage of the first round of the NHL draft right here on 6.30. Ched, Bob Stoffer will join me. You'll hear from Jack Michaels and Rob Brown as we move along as well. The Oilers to pick 14th. Now, New England in the red zone had a third and three from the five, took a penalty, had a third and eight from the 10, and now have turned over the football. On a sack fumble, Kansas City gets it back. 3.52 left in the third quarter. It is 6-3 for the Chiefs. Interesting timing for this one because Blake Dermott's going to come on after 7 o'clock and talk about all the high-scoring games in the NFL this season and on the, on Sunday, and we have a 6-3 Monday nighter. First of two, the other game starts in about 10 minutes. That's Atlanta at Green Bay. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. We've gone over Clef Bomb. We've gone over the 14th pick. Expect the Oilers to select there. Ken Holland saying uh, does not expect to take a defenseman, so likely a forward. And remember the name Yaroslav Askarov if it comes down to a goaltender. If he's available at 14, maybe the Oilers go there. We talked about Nuge. We talked about finding a goalie to play alongside Koskinen. What about a guy who wasn't even an oiler last season, but maybe he will be again. And if he ever reaches his potential, uh, man, he could be a helpful one up front. Yessi Pugliarvi. Here it is straight from Ken Holland, the update. We had a, a zoom call, uh, Dave Tippett and myself with his agent, Marcus Leto and Jesse. We had a zoom call with them in July. Um, before we went into, um, when we were in phase three here in training camp and, and then, um, you know, I, 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 I had a, I've had a number of conversations with his agent, Marcus Leto through, you know, July and in August. And then it went, uh, and then we lost out and then, and then we picked up our conversation about, uh, early, early September. He and I, Marcus and I have had a number of conversations, uh, again, a zoom call late last week. We're going to talk here, uh, plan today to talk today or tomorrow. Um, so we'll see. I mean, what, what goes on in the Zoom calls? It's basically uh, Dave Tippett and I uh, walking Jesse and Marcus through um, where we see him um, on our team. Um, obviously, it's a new manager. It's a new coach. It's a, um, it's a new opportunity. Um, and, you know, part of it, I guess, would be, you know, what you'd call relationship building. Obviously, he made a decision a year ago that he, for whatever reason, for his reasons, he, he didn't want to sign with the Oilers for 1920. And I think last year was a good year for him. He played in the in the in the Finnish league. He was in the top five in scoring. He played on the national team. Um, he should feel good about himself. He he, uh, 
Um, he, had a, he had a really good year. And uh, I, I know his goal is to get back to the National Hockey League and play in the best league in the world. So, you know, those are what we're talking about. The, you know, the, the relationship, where we see him fit in, what's his role. But certainly at the same time, getting them to understand that it's pro hockey and we're in no position to make guarantees. You're going to do this and do that. It's pro hockey is competitive and, uh, and, 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 but, but certainly uh, if he comes back and joins the Oilers, you know, our, we need more good players. We, we want to, and he's a good young player. He was drafted fourth overall and, and uh, he's gone back last year. He's 22 years of age. He's, not young, but he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. So it, there's tremendous opportunity here, and and um, we'll see. I mean, I, I th- I'm, 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 you know, I expect to talk today and tomorrow, and then we'll we'll see where where it goes. But I think we've had positive. I'd like to think that from our perspective, the club's perspective, I think we've had positive um, conversation. I seem to. Um, Marcus Leto seems to to indicate to me that it, they've been positive. So we'll see where, where we go. One thing that Dave Tippett has said several times since he became the coach of the Oilers is that building relationships is important to him. So if Jesse Pugliarvi does come back to the Oilers, a lot of it's going to come down to Tippett to make sure that this relationship works. Pugliarvi's relationship with his coaching staff, with the organization, and probably with his teammates as well. Because I think a lot of things broke down with Pugliarvi when he was here a couple of seasons ago. And as Holland said, nothing will be guaranteed. Pugliarvi has to come back and earn it. But given where he was picked, and as Holland stressed his age, he is by no means an old, washed-up, what-if type of a player. Well, he is what-if in some ways. But there's a chance for him to fit in and contribute, but he has to figure it out and he has to show it himself. I, I don't think he should have anything handed to him. And as I've said a dozen times with Pliarvi, it's about impacting the game when your name's not on the score sheet. Can you check? Can you create space for others? Can you forecheck? Can you be a pest to play against? All those types of things. That's the checklist for Pliarvi to succeed. Okay. Again, you can get more on Ken Holland on 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Chiefs are driving here. They're into the red zone with a 3-0 lead on the Patriots. Blake Dermott to talk a little pigskin when we get back. 630Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chet.